Hi, welcome to More to Come. This is Heidi McDonald, the co-editor of PW Comics World and the Comics Reviews Editor of Publishers Weekly and the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And welcome to More to Come, our podcast on the worlds of comics and graphic novels. Um, today I am here with Jen Sorensen. She is the winner of a Zarek Award, uh, the Alternative News Weekly Award, uh, the Robert F. Kennedy Journalism Award. Uh, she's a NCS Rubin Award winner, and she is the winner of the Herb Block Prize as well. So um, she's honored. She's a very honored. Uh, Jen, thanks for taking the time to be with us tonight. Thanks, Heidi. <laughs> it's been a, it, um, it's great to be here. And yeah, yeah. It's been a few. I've had a few good years. Yeah, recently. yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, it's it, it's funny though because I was I was looking for interviews with you, and you haven't been interviewed very much. I mean, I couldn't find too many recent interviews with you. Is that just my bad googling, or do you not <laughs> like doing Google, you know, interviews? Or you know, um, that's a good point. I mean, I've certainly done them over you know the past decade, but I think. You know, I haven't really done that many recently. I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes political political cartoonists exist in our own little world a little bit. You know, people sort of you know don't think to interview us. Maybe right, right, right. Well, um, well, we're gonna you know bust that wide open here. So all right. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. You know, let's. I I saw one photo uh, that you'd put up on your blog of um, you and Linda Barry at SPX last year, which was kind of like this alt weekly cartoonist reunion. And uh, I was just wondering, I mean, I mean, I know your work is online in a lot of places. Um, I mean, are you still in print? I mean, what is really, like, you know, what are your outlets right now for your, your, own, your own work? Sure, sure. And that SPX was so cool, by the way. Like, I got to meet so many great alt-weekly cartoonists. It was, like, it was really mind-blowing. Um, but as far as my work is concerned, um, you know, it's, it's really changed a lot just in the past five years, I'd say. Um, you know... As, as recently as 2010, I would say the um, vast majority of my income came from print clients, mm-hmm. and you know, most of those being alternative news weekly's around the country and um, a few magazines like the Progressive and Ms. Magazine. And um, I guess just in the past few years, there uh, there's there's been this development of websites that have comic sections and actually pay for them, which mm-hmm. has been sort of a novel concept. Um, it's, I guess Daily Coast kind of started it off, I think that was 2011, they started up their comic section. And, you know, since then, you know, Medium started up the Nib, mm-hmm. um, you know, other political sites like Alternet and Truthout started running comics, and uh, The Nation sometimes runs my stuff. And so over the past few years, I guess, you know, I've definitely uh, had a lot more web clients. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, you know, more recently I picked up some editing work for Fusion, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's been pretty dramatic in in the shift from print to digital. But I honestly, I still like. I mean, the alt weeklies are still kind of my bread and butter. Like the, I, <laughs> I think that's still sort of my my home base. You right, know? right. Is it is it comparable? Um, you know, financially. I mean, you still make the majority of your money through uh, actual print. At this point, or at, well, at the moment, I would say the majority is digital. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, in in part due to due to fusion. Mm-hmm. I think you know it might be more like fifty fifty or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to run the numbers. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 
definitely. I mean, I. I I, I wouldn't want to do without the print component. Right, right, right. But, yeah. But I, I mean, is that, I mean, there was definitely a lot of talk about that, you know, as it is, you know, obviously, you know, alt weeklies were dying, you know, as if a, a horrible disease had swept over them. And then there was kind of this resurgence a little bit where it was like, oh, we like our local media, you know, so right, they, right. They, they, they kind of, you know, the patient came back to life. Um, I mean, how do you feel about, about it now? I mean, do you think it's, 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 uh, you know, still got a future or is it just these last, you know, dwindling bastions of, of, uh, you know, pl- plastic boxes on the corner? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a real roller coaster ride. Um, you know, as recently as 2009, I mean, I was just, I, I really, <laughs> things were looking bad. Uh, you know, the Great Recession hit mm-hmm. a lot of us very hard. And, and uh, you know, I didn't really even, I didn't know if I would be even doing the weekly strip, you know, five years later. Now, as it turned out, um, you know, I think a lot of the alt-weeklies that had been bought up by big companies and, you know, turned into chains, mm-hmm. like those fared very badly uh, during the Great Recession. And they wound up purging their comics and really um, struggling financially. I think a lot of them were saddled with lots of debt. Um, but one one thing that I've noticed in the past few years is that the smaller alt-weeklies, the ones that stayed local and independent, mm-hmm. uh, some of them are really thriving. Um, like the Austin Chronicle. Right. I actually got paid a, a bonus by the Austin Chronicle last uh, at the end of last year, which has never happened in my entire life. <laughs> right. Wow. Um, I mean, just a, you know, not a huge bonus, but it was just like, wow, bonus right, pay. Right. And uh, I think seven days in Vermont. Um, a lot of these smaller to mid-sized markets seem to be supporting their alt-weeklies. And um, so so I'm hopeful that, you know, those papers are going to be around for a while. And they're, they're really, uh, I still feel like they're serving a, a really unique purpose. And, you know, I mean, I just, I love picking up an alt-weekly whenever mm-hmm. I go to, you know, whenever I'm traveling and I'm in another city. Yeah, no, it, it it still kind of gives you this little snapshot of of you know a local culture that that you just can't get from a website, you know, just as a finite package. And um, I mean, it's interesting because you know what you've just said is something I've heard echoed many times. Is that you know these papers were like, oh my god, we've got to uh, save money, and like literally, like the first thing they cut was the comics, and you know, which isn't that much money, <laughs> really. <laughs> I know, I know, it it doesn't make sense to any of us cartoonists because I mean mm-hmm. they're so cheap to begin with <laughs> right so, right I mean I I know editors have these complicated uh you know they, they have this complicated calculus of space and and advertising and I mean it's it's you know right I've been I've been reassured by some editors that they wish they could run comics but it really just is a matter of, of, of space but um, and, and yet it, <laughs> and yet it's just like well they're so they're so cheap and and people like them and and you you cultivate regular readers you know when you run a comic every week you I, know some I, people, they just fall into habits i know and i mean I, I know it's been proven that you know certainly at traditional you know newspapers urban newspapers i mean when they do surveys of their readers uh, the comics are almost always among the highest rated sections of the paper um, you know, I mean, that's pretty universal and what, what I've seen, you know, just from my own time when, you know, working in magazines, I mean, it's almost always like the actual readers really like comics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, sometimes they're just, they, they're just listening to the bean counters and, and, you know, the bean, uh, although you would think comics would be an economical option compared mm-hmm. to some things. Right. But, but, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think you know some papers like like Seven Days, and you know there are some that that really have. I mean, they've they've doubled down on comics a little mm-hmm. bit, and mm-hmm. and they're doing great. I mean, not necessarily just because of the comics, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I just I feel like a lot of these papers they they come out of an era. I mean, they sort of came out of the '60s counterculture, where where you know comics, underground comics, were were obviously a big deal, and I think I don't know when you stray too far from away from that. Um, I don't know. You're just you're just left with a really bland publication, right? And you know, oh, a part of the brand in a way, exactly. So and you know, I I would also note that you know some of the, it does seem like a lot of the media properties that are still successful, like McSweeney's and Vice Magazine, you know, are very much into comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have a comics uh, component to them, and even though some of it's online, but um, I don't know. It just it's it is. It's it's funny that you talk about the mindset because I do kind of get that idea quite a bit that a lot of people think that you know the funnies section is you know the the most um, you know disposable part of their their property and uh, I I do think that's a pretty outmoded idea. There I've said it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, especially and you know I'm certainly not the first person to point this out, but I mean in the digital age, I mean we are moving towards visual media. Right. And. Uh, you know, and and some of these comics are very shareable. They work great on social media. Um, you, you know, it 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 seems obvious to me, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but I'm biased, right? Right. Well, you uh, you know, you're on as you mentioned, you're on Daily Coast. You're on um, I, I you um, you Go Comics. You're actually on Go Comics as well. Their website. Um, yep. and, and of course you have your own site at jensorensen.com. So, yes. uh, please check that out, everyone. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you feel like this is a fertile, a fertile ground for, for, you know, cartoonists who do what you do? Um, I mean, do you feel that it gives you, you know, a, a safe space, a safe harbor or? <laughs> uh, it's, it's very unpredictable. I would say at the moment things are pretty good. Um, I mean, the best, They've been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in my career. Okay, jinx, uh, yes. <laughs> not to jinx it, right. Um, you know, it, I am always sort of prepared for the worst. I think I feel a little bit like going through the Great Recession put me in the mindset of people maybe who lived through the Depression, mm-hmm. you know. And so you're, you're just like, even when times are good, it's like you just want to be really thrifty and save your money and, um, you know, prepare for the worst. So it's hard to say. I, um you know, I wouldn't want to start doing what I'm doing now. Like, like I would, you know, I wouldn't want to try to be breaking into alt weeklies now. I mean, mm-hmm. I really, I got my start in really it's like the early 2000s, just sending stuff out to alt weeklies when they were still a growth industry. And uh, I, I think it is pretty hard to break in now. And I, you know, I, I don't know what advice I would give to people who are doing what I do. Um, you know, there certainly are. I mean, there are more options online now than there were like right. ten years ago. So sure. I think I don't. You know, I think it's it's hard to cobble together a living doing it. But you can. You know, there are places to get published. So it is. It, you really just have to be diversified and you know be ready to sell prints right. and, and just you know have about ten different tiny revenue streams that hopefully add up to a living. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it really, you, you know, you're just echoing what I've heard from a lot of cartoonists. And, you know, especially what you do, which is political cartooning. And, um, but, you know, it's a more, it's a more, 
I guess, modern way? I mean, it's certainly evolved since, you know, the single image editorial cartoons of the past. You know, now you do comic strips that, that you know, sometimes have a narrative element to them. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, it still seems that there is, I certainly see you know, comics by yourself and, you know, Matt Boers and, and Tom Tomorrow, Ruben Balling, I still see, you know, your cartoons reprinted and posted on Twitter and shared and shared and shared. I mean, they, you know, they, they still sum up uh, what people are feeling in a very cogent way. It's, it's actually been, the internet has been such a blessing and a curse, you know, because it, it's, it is true that my cartoons have, are being seen now by more people than ever. And I mean, I've even had friends tell me that, you know, that, you know, things are just showing up all over their Facebook feed and, and maybe because they're my friends and they're not too many <laughs> right, of right. away. But, but yeah, just through, through, you know, like, you know, alternate and daily codes and, and these things, they do get shared a lot on Facebook. And um, so that's great. I mean, it's, it's it really, and I think I've really noticed it just over the past few years. Like people are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know your stuff, um, mm. which is nice. Um but you know, it, it again, things are so unpredictable that the media landscape changes so fast now. Um, you just sort of have to enjoy the moment when, <laughs> when things yeah. are going well. Right, right. Well, speaking of going well, let's talk a little bit about Fusion.net and uh, you know what it is, what you do there, and you know how it's going. So, so you know what it, what is Fusion.net and how did you get involved with it? Sure. Um, well, Fusion is a it's a new media startup from. ABC News and Univision, and um, it's basically aimed at highly diverse young adults. I would say it's um, it's it's aimed at you know America as it actually is, really, than right. rather than how it's been traditionally portrayed in the media. So um, I I got started with them actually through doing work for the Book of Jezebel. If uh, you are familiar with that, that was published uh, put together by Anna Holmes, okay. who's the founding editor of. The website. Just oh, about. right. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, they put out a, a book a couple of years ago that is basically this highly entertaining encyclopedia of, of feminist terms. And, and uh, it's, it's actually like, it's very educational. I, I, I was like really impressed when I saw it. And they used a lot of illustrators for that. And so I wound up um, doing a bunch of illustrations for Anna for, for the book of Jezebel. And then... Um, a little, you know, a little while after that, she got hired as a an editor at Fusion, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I actually, you know, I reached out to her and asked her if she, you know, wanted to run any comics or had any any interest in, you know, I because I, I had had several like graphic journalism pieces at that point that had done pretty well, and I thought, you know, hey, they should have a comics component, right, right, like we and do. I didn't, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I, you know, I actually didn't expect anything to come of that, but. You know, it, as it turned out, I wound up um, getting hired as a you know an editor uh, for their their comic section, which is called Graphic Culture, which you can see at fusion.net/slash/graphic-culture. Um, and uh, so I've been I've been putting together a uh, it, it's I've actually been given a lot of freedom to experiment and, and sort of play around with you know different different formats. Like we've you know we've we've run. Some short form political cartoons and some long form stuff. I think you know lately I'm really getting into. We've got a bunch of graphic journalism pieces in the works in the mm-hmm. works, and I'm but I'm pretty excited about those. Yeah. We, um. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna say. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely 
Um, you know, been some very cool things here. Uh, you just ran a story that was about kind of the uh, millennial uh, dilemma of graduating and not being able to find a job. That was a, a, a really, a really strong piece. And uh, I just saw there was, um, uh, there was, you know, my co- I'm going to mess up the title because I don't have it in front of me. But it was uh, my college rapist just called me on the phone. Uh, <laughs> that was another piece. I think a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, well, those, yeah, and those are two, two of our biggest, basically. I, I did a piece that was published in March called The, the Phone Rang, It Was My College Rapist. Right. And uh, that was a, a story, it was my friend's story about um, basically being, being drugged and raped while she was a college student in the 70s. And then there's a little twit, I won't give away the, the spoiler, mm. but uh, there, there's, there's a twist when he contacted her uh, 30 years later. And, um, yeah, that that comic just exploded um, almost instantaneously. It was it was kind of amazing the response I got uh, mm-hmm. from that, um, and uh, yeah, that just that, that sort of went crazy on Facebook. And you know, I, I actually did a talk up in Vermont at the Center for Cartoon Studies and recently, and I went to this high school to talk. And like, even one of one of the girls at the high school came up and she's like, "Oh, you did that comic about the college rate? That, that, right. that was you." And so I knew I knew it had gotten out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When high school kids in Vermont were coming up to me, and um, and then yeah, Jackie Roche, who uh, has done some work for Symbolia. She's mm-hmm. a really talented artist, and um, she she just did a great piece for us about underemployment. Um, how you know, college grads who graduated into the Great Recession have had a terrible time finding work, and uh, story about her and her her boyfriend's struggles basically of just going through right. garbage job after garbage job. And literally she did work at a garbage plant. Um, she was weighing garbage. Right. <laughs> so, right. And um, I mean, and it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's drawn in this kind of a little bit impressionistic style, but that really brings the emotion of the story home. Um, no, it's a really, it's a very strong piece. And, and, and it's also just a super, I mean, you know, we do love comics because they're such a direct way of portraying these kind of issues, you know. Everybody talks about about the problem with underemployment and the graphic way of telling the story is is very powerful. Yeah, that and that comic really seemed to resonate with people as well. Like um w- yeah, I I didn't I was kind of blown away like when she turned in the final art for that with all that hand-painted watercolor. I mean, I, it it was just like so so far beyond the call of duty, I was, I was right. just like floored, and um, you know it's 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 funny actually when you're you know used to being a cartoonist and and uh, you know you get kind of get in that freelance mindset where you it's like you know you like to complain about editors, but then right. suddenly when you're wearing an editor hat and you're <laughs> you're helping, it's actually given me so much appreciation for what editors do, and and so being able to, to have a completely different perspective, you know, as an editor, it's just like. Um, I mean, on the one hand, it's 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 so like uh, it's it's so gratifying to to help bring these stories into the world, and then secondly, it's like you just have so much more sympathy for what editors do, like just having to coordinate <laughs> so many details. Right. And, right. Um, yeah. It's, it's been really interesting to wear to wear both hats at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you you know where do you see this going? I mean, is this like you know you have more stories coming i mean is is i i think you're kind of lucky in that i would say just over the last five years we've really kind of developed 
uh, a lot of cartoonists who excel at this kind of journalism or this kind of non-fiction comics that, that isn't necessarily aut- just autobiographical. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a growing pool of talent out there, and it seems like more and more people are, are kind of, you know, they're interested in trying it out. Um, and I have to say, like, when I do get the chance to do it, and, and it's really hard for me to do it with the weekly deadline and all the, the editing work, um, but it is it is so satisfying to, to be able to do those long-form comics, you know. Right. Um, I, I love working on them, and, and uh, you know, I managed to do about one a year myself. But uh, but yeah, there's there's a growing pool of, of very talented cartoonists who are, you know, very active in this genre and and um, you know I've, I, yeah I've got a whole bunch of projects that we're starting up right now and I mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel kind of bad because like I keep like having to you know I, I have things piling up that I need right, to, to get right, back to right. people about it. but yeah. it's exciting too you know? it is yeah, well that's the editor's true dilemma but um, yes. you know I mean I realize that you're employed by fusion.net so uh, but you know are they behind this I mean is this something that you know do you think this has become a, a you know a key part of this venture or yeah yeah um, I mean I I think that uh, well Anna is very supportive and I, I think that they are into they're really into being experimental and innovative and just trying lots of different formats, um, you know, different visual formats. And so, you know, it's a very good fit for comics because, um, you know, they're, they're just, they're very open to trying new things. And, you know, it's also not just about driving traffic to the website per Mm -hmm. se. Like I think maybe some, you know, some, some media properties are like they, I mean, they they just, they want to get stuff out there on their, you know, if it, on their Tumblr or, and it's interesting because with comics, I mean, sometimes it's like they take off in one place, you know, mm-hmm. and right. like both uh, like Jackie's comic. And uh, we just ran a bunch of sketches from Baltimore. Uh, Dan Archer did, he went to Baltimore and interviewed a bunch of people in Freddie Gray's neighborhood. And, uh, and those just like took off on Tumblr. And yeah. it's, it's kind of uh it's actually fascinating, you know, like, right, right. See, like where people are picking up on stuff and, and it, and it really kind of varies. Uh, you know, sometimes some, something is really popular on Instagram or, you know, um, so it's been, it's been kind of a, a fascinating education for me. Right, right. And it's, and the great thing about it is that in order to use all these platforms, you have to spend time on all these platforms. So that leaves lots and <laughs> yes. lots and lots of time to make your own comics. Exactly. Uh, so now how often do you update? Uh, how often do you do a comic? I do one comic week myself. Okay. okay. So you are the traditional weekly cartoonist. Um, and I was, you know, again, looking over, you know, some of your stuff and, uh, uh, you know, we're entering into a presidential campaign. So, uh, you know, this must be the time of of uh, the decade when, as a cartoonist, you just sit back and, you know, rub your hands together. <laughs> oh, in a way. I guess, you know, I, I guess I, I feel almost less, uh, probably less excited about this election than ever. <laughs> it's been kind of a declining, um, I don't know, I, I think as things pick up, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be stuff to write about, you know, like there, there's going to be people saying horrible sexist, sexist things about Hillary. And, um, but, but I, I, I think more than anything, I'm, I'm kind of filled with a sense of dread. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I guess I, 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 I think if you've been watching politics for a long time, you know, it, it can make you a little bit jaded and, um, you know, I, I think I have, I have very mixed feelings about Hillary in, in a way because, I, you know, like in the in the lead up to the Iraq War, and 
I mean, she had such a mixed record as a senator. Right. And yet, at the same time, you know, of course, I would love to see a woman president. And I, I you know, the Supreme Court is extremely important. Right, right, right. You know, right. I'm, I'm going to vote for her, but I just, uh, I don't know. I, well, and I'm kind of just dreading, like, the whole mudslinging. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think that, in a way, we should have elected Hillary in 2000. Eight and uh, then you know Barack would have been in the Senate for a long time. He would have made more friends. You know he'd be just sitting there waiting to be the the president. And you know we would have really had a good one-two punch. I'm not sure the other order is going to work out as well, but we'll see. <laughs> I guess. Um, you know what about though on the uh, Republican side? Uh, you know there's got to be some good fodder for humor there. It's true. It's true. I mean, <laughs> and sometimes they make it too easy. Um, I, you know I, I've been sort of easing myself into that just a little bit. I feel like it's maybe a little early, but um, yeah, I mean, some of them are so over the top. It's almost hard to satirize them. Like, you know, <laughs> well, you, I, I know. you had a, a brilliant ca- cartoon that was about um, this thing that really happened where there was some military maneuvers in Texas and then actually a whole, a whole uh, conspiracy theory sprang up that was uh that this was um Obama trying to take over the state of Texas and i think the last panel was like you know of course the governor of Texas said that's crazy and then you go just kidding and did he actually sent the national guard to watch this i mean um i don't think they've started yet but but yes he he actually seriously announced that he was going to send the national guard to monitor the the operations and um I mean, they've been so roundly mocked for that, um, and, and you know, it's it's hard to even know whether the, you know the governor of Texas, Ab- Abbott, is whether he's just pandering uh, to the extremists or you know <laughs> whether he believes it himself. Right. Um, and uh, Texas certainly has not been um, <laughs> it has not been like the source of of of, of good news lately. <laughs> right. It's, it's right. Really been, right. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's, sometimes it's hard to even, you know, find the sense of humor in some of this stuff, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, I, you know, how do you how do you decide on a topic? You know, how do you decide on? So basically, in in any given week, um, you know, I'll I'll read the news. I you know, I, I subscribe to the New York Times, big New York Times reader. Um, and and usually it's like whatever, whatever kind of moves me. You know, whatever you're f- sort of feeling most angered about or you know um you kind of have to go with your with your emotions and like what you're what you're feeling and then sort of start from there and and try to find a funny angle now sometimes there are issues that i feel very strongly about but i just i just cannot come up with a good cartoon idea and so i you know i don't do them um but generally it's like you know whatever seems just like something usually stands out each week for me uh some some weeks are easier than others Mm mm-hmm and then, um, then what I do um, is I, I actually just do these little like idea bubbles, kind of on a piece of scrap paper. You know, like I just uh, I find rather than try to write out some linear cartoon, you know, with you know each panel like one at a time, I I just I just draw these sort of interconnected bubbles with ideas in them, and hopefully that adds up to a cartoon. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm lucky. <laughs> well, it, it it definitely does. I saw one one that you had done uh, that where you talked about. Now you do a blog also where you kind of talk about like you can see uh, Jen's cartoons uh, as we mentioned on like Go Comics or on Daily Coast or you know many many places on the Nib. But um, 
on, on Fuchsia.net, but uh, on your blog, you kind of give us the story behind the story. And on one of them, you noted that you got to do the your first family circus parody. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Which was really cool. Could you explain what that is a little bit? It's hard to do without the visuals, but you know, maybe I'll link to that in the, the description of this blog because it's pretty funny. Sure. Um, well, I, I guess I, I did a cartoon about the lack of women in late night TV. Um, and, and, uh, you know, of course there, there are, uh, I mean, there are some exceptions now. I mean, there's like Amy Schumer has a show and, uh, you know, I think, uh, Samantha B mm-hmm. is starting up her own show, but I, I guess I was kind of, I was kind of appalled at, you know, we had such a huge turnover, um, in the marquee shows on late night, you mm-hmm. know, like the tonight show and like late night, David Letterman. And I mean, the daily show Colbert report, I mean, and every like every single one of them went to a dude, which I mean I guess is kind of predictable in a way. But it seems like I mean the year tw- 2015. I mean I know I like I've been to plenty of open mics. I mean I know there are women comedians out there, and, and yeah. there are plenty. There are good ones. Well, it's not only that. There's a lot of women comedians who host TV shows exactly. like Whoopi Goldberg and Ellen DeGeneres. You know, Ellen DeGeneres, right, she right. used to be a stand-up comic, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and it seems like some, I mean, some of the, the choices, I mean, they're, they're actually, I mean, they're going with some fairly obscure people, you know, that, that maybe most Americans didn't know about to begin with. So if they're, I mean, if, if that's not, if it's, you know, go, if, if finding someone who may be a little unknown is... I mean, if that's an option, then it seems like you could have a woman, <laughs> like, in, in one of, just one of these shows. I mean, it, it just, it's kind of, I've always just found it so strange that, to, to be like in you know, 50% of the population or 50.8% or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and just the, the representation in the media is still just so heavily skewed. I mean, things are slowly changing, I think, maybe through, you know, Twitter and various social media conversations. Um, People are a little more aware now than they were even a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't think it's even awareness. I mean, I think it's it's you know because there's still no Black Widow toys out there. You know, I mean, it, it, there is this, and, and it's funny that you mentioned this. You know, we got away from the family circus thing, but oh. but but <laughs> no, that's 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 okay. I'll just but but when you you know talk about, I mean, what I just said is like you know, Ellen and Whoopi Goldberg uh, got their starts as stand-up comics. And, uh, they are both very successful talk show hosts, uh, you know, daytime. And, but they're kind of, I don't want to say exiled, but they're definitely like queens of the daytime domain. Yes. Whereas late night is definitely man time. Uh, (laughs) and, you know, and I think it's just that people have this idea that this is how it is, you know, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, and, and if a boy sees the Black Widow on his lunchbox, he is going to throw up, you know? And I mean, that's just how things are. And it is yeah. funny because Amy Schumer has definitely gotten so much attention, like just recently since she came back and all of her, her sketches have just been endlessly shared and endlessly shared. And, and, um, you know, women like to share things. <laughs> I mean, clearly, yeah, she's done great on, uh, on the internet, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's probably part of their strategy more and more of these shows are all about sharing their clips on online right um, right but yeah it it is so uh it's it's strange to me how yeah certain things just become the norm and like we don't even think about them or question them and i think a lot of women al- almost just sort of expect to see a man in, in in those roles and like they wouldn't you know a lot of you know a lot of people 
they believe in equality right. and you know gender parity, but I think we're just so used to certain things being a certain way that uh, a lot of people just don't even notice. Right. But I, yeah. And I mean, I, I do think that social media has allowed people, allowed people to question things more, but you know, the other hand, to me, it's like we forget history a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, like Joan Rivers actually was the backup host on The Tonight Show to Johnny Carson, the king of late night. Oh, yeah. For like, you know, she was his number two. You know, I it's like watch a, her as a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if Johnny wasn't there, Joan Rivers was there. And and you know, so it's not like this. You know, we're not inventing anything. It's already been done, girls. So and guys, <laughs> it's already been done. And uh, it is it is interesting to me what what gets questioned and and. Um, what doesn't actually <laughs> sometimes it seems to me that things have gone backwards just a little bit like from the 70s and 80s like mm-hmm. i mean you even had i don't know uh, you had this little renaissance in the 70s you know you had like free to be you and me and mm-hmm. and all this awareness of of uh of gender and and uh you know you had movies like like, like star wars you know which, which well you know princess leia seemed like right right for the time <laughs> she actually did seem pretty kick-ass she you bad, know you know yeah she and wasn't bad things just i mean for like 30 years, suddenly, I, I don't know, in the, well, the Reagan era, things yeah, just started to go back. I don't know. I, I feel like politically, the, you know, even Richard Nixon, the president of the 70s, would be, you know, flaming liberal by today's standards. <laughs> yes. And could never be elected on the Republican ticket. And we could never get Title IX passed today. I mean, we could never get any of this stuff done today. And so I've begun to think that the, the, the political gains of the 60s and 70s were more just like, well, you know, one shining moment as opposed to forward progression. Although we do see, you know, we see this is kind of my bugaboo. I mean, I'm not a fan of outrage. You know, I'm not a fan of just like today's outrage, today's hot take and all that because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just seems to me to be taking a lot of energy away and, you know, now as a cranky old fart, I would say like, well, you know, you millennials, you did a really great job in the last midterm elections there. So, you know, good job on that. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't no, it's, know. It's true. I mean, there, there's and there's definitely like I mean, I, I get outrage fatigue myself. I mean, like, you know, there's always people who take things too far on Twitter. And it just mm-hmm. I mean, it does like just give you a headache sometimes. And you just want to go outside and like look at the trees <laughs> right right <laughs> enjoy, right yeah. enjoy the sunshine yeah um but uh i don't know yeah, we need to yeah. speak we do we do need to speak up against these things i don't mean to say that we shouldn't speak up it's just i don't know now it, when you can speak up about anything sometimes you speak up about nothing but that's me so you know you had another story that was really really i, I know we're going to wrap this up but uh you had another story that was really cute about um janet yellen can you tell that mm-hmm. story? You had a strip about Janet Yellen that got a lot of attention, and then yeah, yeah, um, that was that was actually a lot of fun. Um, so I did this cartoon back when uh, they were debating who who was going to be the next Fed chair, and you know the Obama administration was supposedly behind Larry Summers, who you know has a very long and controversial history, and. Uh, and you know, and he was up against Janet Yellen, who who would of course be the first female Fed chair in history. And so I did this uh, cartoon comparing the two, and basically uh, 
you know, supporting Janet Yellen. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, she was uh, also on the right side of history and that she was warning about a lot of the deregulation and warning exactly. that we were headed for a economic collapse and everybody laughed at her and, well, you know, there's nothing us girls like better than saying I told you so. So, <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it certainly wasn't just that she she would be the first female Fed chair. Right. She was actually right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. So much, so much more accurate in her... Uh, her uh, analysis of the economy than, than Summers had been over the past. Right. And, and, and in fact, just, you know, as a Janet Yellen fan, it's like if you went and looked back at all the writing about all this stuff, it would often be, you know, but Fed, uh, you know, assisted, uh, you know, had Janet Yellen suggested that blah, blah, blah. You know, she'd always be the dissenting voice on a lot right. of this right. common wisdom. So, you know, she she was... You know, she deserved it. She deserved so, it. God exactly. darn it. So I got, yeah, I mean, I got really into that, that whole debate. Like I, <laughs> I was, I was, I became kind of a, a nerd <laughs> on mm-hmm. that subject. And, um, and so I did that cartoon and, uh, I, I heard through the grapevine that it, I mean, it, it actually got sent around to some fairly prominent economists and mm-hmm. people like in the know in DC and, and, um, and so when I was at the award ceremony for the Robert F. Kennedy Journalism Award, uh, which was very, very cool, a very exciting thing to win, uh, I, you know, I, I turned around and looked at the person behind me, and it was Janet Yellen. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So she she was there because uh, I guess she knew Joseph Stiglitz, who was mm-hmm. the book award winner, and so she mm-hmm. was there to to support him and. So, you know, like I paused a minute, like, oh, do I say something? And I was like, yes, yes, I have to say something. And so, you know, I turned around and introduced myself and said, um, hey, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the winner here for the editorial cartoon. And, and I just wanted to say hi, because I actually did a cartoon about you. And she, both she and her husband knew exactly what I was talking about. And they're like, oh, you did that. <laughs> and I was like, that is so cool. You saw that cartoon. And so... um yeah, after the ceremony, I just I wound up talking to both of them for a while, and uh, and she was so nice. I mean, I just you know I just adored her. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. It was really exciting. It's it's rare that you get to see you know who who actually you know is reading your cartoons. Right, you know, right. Talk well, to them in person. Yeah, but I mean that also proves that uh, you know cartoon can be a very powerful thing, as we've seen unfortunately with a lot of uh, you know recent news. And you know just uh, just in case any listeners are 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 on a tender hook, so we just have to leave this there. It's like basically there's kind of a uh, there's kind of a cartooning. Um, there's kind of a cartoony tradition that began a family circus where it's like, you know, who did this, this thing? And it's, it's like this kind of phantom blot figure that says, not me, not me. <laughs> and, and so you use that in a strip about, uh, about the, the late night talk show host. You, you, you had, you know, not, I think it was not a girl or, you know, something like that. But anyway, yes, yeah, so you, you, you got to use the classic comics trope of the, of the family circus, not me. So yes, you explained it. <laughs> as well as I can. But I think it was it was not a woman. Basically, I had a little not a woman ghost. Right, 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 right. In a, a few different like sort of family circus cartoons right. uh, about late night TV hosts. Yeah, well, it all goes um, back to family circus. You know, it all goes back. Yes, <laughs> that is the fact. Full circle. Yes, yes, to, indeed. To, Pun, pun intended. <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, anyway. Jen Sorensen, you are a, a great uh, carrier honor of the grand tradition, and uh, both with your own exemplary award-winning work and with uh, the stuff that you're doing at Fusion.net. So um, thank you again for taking the time to talk to us here, and um, you know, keep up the good work. 
Sure. Thanks, Heidi. And I, I just want to add one more thing. I'm going to be at San Diego Comic-Con this year as a special guest. And oh. Bunch of panels. So, uh, if you are going to San Diego Comic Con, uh, come find me. All right, that's it. Check it out, and uh, that'll be a grand old time for all of us there. So awesome. <laughs> all right, thanks again, Jen. Take care. Thanks, Tidy. All right.